it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. And welcome into the DNVR Rams podcast, presented as always by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app and use the promo code DNVR when you sign up. It is late Monday night, uh, September 12th. The Broncos just lost one of the dumbest games that I have ever seen. Not going to ramble on and on about that. I'm sure it will be all over all of the national talking shows all over the local airwaves as well not great but i did love the way the offense moved the ball it's awesome to have a real quarterback again it'll be all right 2012 broncos started two and three were staring down the barrel of two and four when they were down 24-0 to the chargers came back and then obviously rattled off like 12 straight wins or something like that it was crazy Week one is always stupid. I mean, the Packers lost 38-3 to last year in week one. And then, you know, Rodgers went on to have his second straight MVP season. So I just, I don't want to get too carried away. Russell Wilson is going to be sick. That's all I care about. But the reason that I brought this up is it, it had me thinking about some of the things that I said uh, on the post-game podcast from Middle Tennessee. And I just wanted to walk back some of the criticism and actually apologize I was pretty harsh on some of the fans, and I do think that there's a line with, you know, how far people should go with the type of things that they say. I also think that there were a lot of, you know, overdramatic statements. That said, I understand the raw emotion of the moment, you know, especially when it's 34-0 at home going into the game, you know, you're you're feeling good, you're thinking, you know, the Rams are finally going to snap that losing streak, and then it, it was frustrating, it was embarrassing, I get it. When it comes to CSU, you know, obviously it's my school, always has been. I'll, you know, always want the program to, you know, compete and and be at the top. But I am, you know, fairly desensitized just having, you know, worked in media for a while now. It just takes a little bit of that emotion out. You know, you still always have that passion. But really when I'm watching the game, I'm, I'm watching it through the lens of, you know, what are my takeaways going to be? You know, how can I logically break this down? want to be critical of the things I need to be critical about, but also want to be fair. That's, you know, a fine line. But when I was watching the Broncos game tonight and I was getting all worked up on the couch, I just, I don't know, I had the realization that I was probably being, you know, unfair just because I've been desensitized to this process. They say on Ted Lasso, it's, it's the hope that kills you. And I think that was you know, kind of how CSU fans, how Broncos fans, just how football fans in this state felt this weekend. You know, there was this expectation that it was going to be this, you know, ex- exciting moment. Both these teams finally have quarterbacks. They're, you know, favored big. Everybody's thinking, you know, this is the time to, to finally get that W. 
And it ended up being a, a giant letdown, which, you know, it, it essentially has been time and time again for quite some time. And, you know, I, I still think that people have to understand that this is, you know, a rebuild. It's, it's going to take some time. I think we all got a little, you know, swept up in the excitement of it all, myself included. But sports are passionate. They matter. You know, it's been a long time since CSU's had a winner. I understand everybody, you know, is desperate for the, the Rams to, to be back in contention. It's been 20 years now since they won the Mountain West. That's unacceptable. And going down 34-0 at home to Middle Tennessee, that was, that was unacceptable as well. The thing that's encouraging to me and one of the things that I tried to, you know, make clear on that post-game pod is that it, it was really refreshing to hear the way that, you know, at least in my opinion, you know, Norvell owned what went wrong. It wasn't a scenario where, you know, it was like, oh, we're this close and, you know, telling us it's, it's actually better than it was and we just couldn't see it. You know, he was like, that's not up to our standard. He was critical of Clay for throwing that first pick, but he also, you know, admired the way that he competed, you know, you know, picked himself up time and time again, was able to rally for those, you know, scores in the third quarter. But he was also, you know, straightforward about clearly they need to protect the quarterback better. They need to figure out, you know, what to do there. The coaches have got to figure it out. The players have got to figure it out. It was unfortunate that they lost Brian Crespo just, you know, a couple of days before the game. But, you know, if you're next or, you know, second or third on the depth chart ended, ended up being Chaz Jackson, you've got to be ready to go. And he didn't have a good game. You know, at right tackle, you lose uh, keys. Hopefully he's able to go. We'll see what happens there. Anyways, my point is it was bad. I, I understand that. So I, I think I was probably a little harsh with the way that I criticized people for, you know, vocalizing their displeasure. Because, you know, again, 34-0, that's rough. It was even rougher when I rewatched the game. I do think that there's a path forward to still being, you know, more competitive this year, you know, making a bowl, you know, unless they get hot and, and, you know, can rattle off a couple of wins probably shouldn't be the expectation at this point. And really it was, you know, never a guarantee. I had some people say that, you know, I said that they, they were for sure going to make it or like they were going to be way better. I, I genuinely don't think that was the case. Uh, you know, I kind of said best case scenario, you know, you sneak into a bowl game. And if that were to happen, you're going to have to go two and two likely in non-conference play. And realistically right now, you're probably staring down the barrel of, you know, one and three, potentially even oh and four. You know, you don't, Sac State's a good team. I, at home, you would hope CSU takes care of business, but we'll see. Anyways, I've I've gone way off track here, but the point of it is I just have to you know, sometimes remember that just because I'm desensitized to this process, you know, not necessarily everybody is. And the fact that people are passionate still is is good. Sometimes the, the sky is falling reactions are definitely a bit much. But I also get that people are just desperate for the Rams to be a winning team again. And they, you know, so desperately want that. It's a balance, you know, don't be tweeting stuff at players and stuff. That's too far, you know, tagging players and stuff. But sometimes you just got to be emotional in the game and, you know, maybe even say stuff you don't mean, you know, truly. And I was probably too critical of Ram fans for just kind of needing, you know, that cathartic moment of just letting it out. Again, there's a line and I'll call people out when they cross it. But, you know, for me, too, if I feel like I went too far, said something dumb, I want to own that as well. You know, I mean, I'm just I'm doing these, you know, in the heat of the moment sometimes after games as well. so. 
It's easy to use hyperbole, you know, get carried away every now and then. I'm only human, but I just want to be fair to Ram fans. That's that's my goal. But uh, going to get into what I learned from Jay Norvell during the press conference today. Before we talk about that, just briefly want to shout out CSU Men's Golf. Going to dive into their awesome weekend. Just dominated the Falcon Invitational. CSU Volleyball picking up a couple of wins as well. Before we get into all that, the NFL's opening week was action-packed. It's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any football game, get $200 in free bets. If you want even more action, everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you're going to get paid instantly even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. Get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. I also want to talk about GameTime. GameTime is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. Ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could? 50-yard line, courtside, behind home plate maybe, floor seats at a concert? It's possible with the GameTime app. The biggest last-minute price drops can be found on the seats when you thought you could never buy them. You won't find a better deal this season on really anything. Broncos tickets, Rams tickets, whatever concerts. It's created by the fans for the fans, and they guarantee the lowest price. If you love DNVR, then you will love Game Time. If you're going to go to a game, you know, whatever it is, the best way to support us is by buying your tickets to the link in this podcast description. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. All right, all right, all right. Hot start for CSU Men's Golf. Connor Jones, the individual winner at the Gene Miranda Falcon Invitational. Davis Bryant finishes as the runner-up. CSU just completely dominated the field, so they take the individual title, the team title as well. It was a three-day, 54-hole tournament hosted by the U.S. Air Force Academy. It's played at the Eisenhower Blue Course in the Springs. As a team, the Rams finished 30 shots under par, 25 shots ahead of the runner-up Colorado. Uh, they were only three shots off the tournament record. This is CSU's fourth win overall and 11th top five finish in 13 appearances at the Gene Miranda Falcon Invitational. Rounding out the top five, New Mexico and San Jose State tied for third, and then New Mexico State completed the top five They shot four strokes over as a team. What was particularly impressive about the showing in this one is the Rams entered Sunday, final day, with a five-stroke lead, and they just went off as a team. The Rams finished 17 under par in the final 18 holes. That's the sixth lowest versus par since 1993-94. And as a result, CSU able to capture their first team title under first-year head coach Michael Wilson the 41st team title in program history. I've got some quotes from the press release, so I'll read those real quick. Shout out to John Martin, Assistant Director of Strategic Communications. He does a great job providing all kinds of info and quotes. The team played awesome today, Wilson said. The five starters didn't make a bogey after hole four. Anytime you throw out a 70, it's pretty impressive stuff. Each of the five starters battled so hard and played beautifully. 
On top of that, Connor and Davis really pushed each other out there for the individual title and competed like champions. Davis never gave an inch with birdies on his last two holes and didn't make it easy. Big congrats to Connor for a final round of 66 to win. He played with so much poise and determination. It was a fun day to watch and be part of. This is an exciting day for our team. As Wilson referenced, it was really, really exciting battle between the, the two CSU players down the stretch. Jones had a two-stroke lead going into the back nine. He got a birdie on the 16th hole. That was ultimately the difference. And Connor Jones ultimately finished 13 under 203, one shot ahead of Davis Bryant, who shot a three under 69 in the last round and a 12 under 204 overall. For Jones, it's his third collegiate win, second in a full field event in the 36th in CSU program history. Davis Bryant earned his 20th top 20 finish in 40 collegiate tournaments. Here's a quote from Jones. It was great to start the year off in such a dominant fashion as a team. We could be really good this year, so it's only right we start the year off this way. From an individual standpoint, Davis and I have a great relationship and have grown close over the past year. He's a great friend and a great competitor. He always pushes me to be the best because I know he will always be ready when the tournament time comes. I'm glad I got him this time because he gets the best of me more than anyone I've ever played with, and I can't wait for all the battles we will have in the future. I know there will be a lot of them. Sophomore Christoph Blier finished two under par. He finished tied for 13th. Playing in his first ever tournament, freshman Matthew Wilkinson finished one under. He tied for 19th. And sophomore uh, Rasmus Helm finished two over to tie for 31st. So really, really solid day for CSU. Again, they finished minus 30 for the event, while CU, who finished second, finished five strokes below par. Really, really dominant showing from CSU. Great start to the Michael Wilson era for Rams golf. All right, we're going to move on, talk football here in just a sec, but I do want to talk about CSU volleyball momentarily. Since getting swept by Arkansas on the first, they have won four of five overall, did get swept at Baylor, a really, really talented top 20 Baylor team. Since then, though, they have been able to respond with a sweep of Evansville and then a reverse sweep of Arizona State out in Waco. So really nice response from the Rams after, you know, battling against Baylor. All three sets were competitive, but they've got a huge week. They host CU on Thursday. That is September 15th, 7 p.m. at Moby. It is supposed to be a whiteout. I know the hope was for it to be a sellout. So, you know, the CU is really, really good. They're fairly, you know, fairly evenly matched, but it would be awesome to see the crowd make the difference in this one. They also play at Boulder on Friday the 16th, also 7 p.m. So really big week for Tom Hilbert's Rams. As far as the Thursday night matchup goes, if you're in Denver, you can watch that game on Local 3 on cable. Also going to be streaming uh, via the Mountain West Network. Local 3 is a simulcast via Ivaca TV, our partner. You can also just get Ivaca if you don't have cable. Not even officially doing the ad read right now, but to score that deal, go to evaca.tv slash Colorado 10. You can get $5 off or $10 off a month, excuse me, for your first three months. That is evaca.tv slash Colorado 10, E-V-O-C-A dot TV slash Colorado 10. Sweet deal. 
CSU soccer fell two to one at home against Denver on Sunday. They are up again on Thursday, the 15th at Kansas state. All right. That's what is happening in Agland, but I do want to move on and talk about what we were able to learn from Jay Norvell's Monday press conference. Again, you know, no excuses being made. You know, they did not play up to their standard, made that very clear. And now we're going to kind of see what this team, which, you know, has 59 new players, kind of a hybrid of the CSU team from last year, the Nevada team from last year. We're going to see if, if you know, they're up for the challenge, if they can respond. You know, it, it sounds like the staff is is being pretty blunt about some of these guys needing to to be willing to to go the extra mile and the type of preparation that it takes, you know, even if you're not a starter. Norvell said that they're making strides in this regard, but, you know, there's just a, a certain level of, of commitment that you have to have if you really want to be great. And that extends beyond, you know, what's what's required. You have to have that drive to be willing to to do more watching film, getting in recovery, you know, working with the the position coaches. Beyond their talent, you know, one of the things that's been made pretty clear is that Jay Norvell loves how hard Clay Millen and, and Tori Horton prepare. And Norvell essentially said, you know, some guys, you know, they get it and some guys don't get it at all when it comes to, you know, just how much work it takes to to truly be great. And, you know, it's on the coaches to to challenge them, but it's also on the the players to respond. And the guys that respond are ultimately going to play, and the guys that that don't, you know, they're not going to see the field. You know, it's just establishing accountability and, you know, winning habits. But it's just, again, it's it's not something that happens overnight. I'm going to probably sound like a broken record at, at times this season when it comes to preaching patience. But we're going to have to take some lumps. And it's, you know, kind of a cliche at times. It's not, you know, what the fans want in an in, in industry where there's so much at stake when there's so much money on the line. You know, ultimately, it's about winning. But you become a winner by this process, by, you know, taking the lumps, by learning, you know, what you did wrong in a frustrating loss and, you know, hopefully growing from it. Losing programs, they don't learn from it, and they just keep losing. But it's it's game number two. You know, I, one of the tweets I saw was from a current student, and he essentially was like, I've been here since 2018, you know, not even going to get to experience a winning season likely, you know, no rivalry wins, no no bowl wins. They did get the Wyoming uh, win in 2020, but no fans in the stands, which sucked. And I get how frustrating that is, you know, to go through this entire time and not really have anything to be excited about. It's just been unfortunate timing and you kind of have to view it through the lens of, you know, well, 2018, that's the end of the Bobo era. So you came in at a really bad time. It's essentially, you know, a lame duck situation where the writing's on the wall. Everybody knows what's going to happen. There's some brief hope at the beginning of 2019, but that goes out the window when Colin Hill tears his ACL again. Then we obviously end up with Adazio and, you know, kind of the, the clock resets. It's a new, new regime, new era. He only lasts two years, a long two years. And, you know, now we're, we're starting over with Norvell, obviously. But my point is, it hasn't been, you know, five years with one failing coach the, the entire time. And it just, it's unfortunate timing for the students that have to 
you know, be a part of that. But if you're viewing it through the lens of, you know, I've been here four years, I've been here five years, however long, it, you know, you've been a student, they should have figured it out by now. Fair, but you're also essentially overlooking the fact that they started over. You know, you're starting from ground zero again when you bring in a new coach. I'm not throwing shade here. You know, if, if you're an upperclassman and you still have interest in CSU football after what you've been through, I, I commend you. You've just unfortunately been a, a victim of poor timing, and there have been a couple of, of CSU classes over the last 20 years that can say that. And that's hopefully, you know, what Norvell's going to turn around eventually, you know, so we don't have students that go through, you know, entire collegiate careers with, you know, without having, you know, a substantial rivalry win, you know, a, a key moment at home, you know, a 2014 a Utah State homecoming moment or a Rocky Mountain Showdown victory, you know, or Epic Border War or something like that. But it's just going to take time. But if the players, you know, do the right things, if the coaches can get everybody to buy in, you know, eventually we're going to get there. We're going to get there. And that's what all this accountability is, is about. But I just wanted to address that. Um, as far as what stands out about Washington State, again, we're going to go and do a full Washington State preview. And actually, I'm going to get my guy Travis Green, CSU grad, works out in Washington to uh, you know preview the Cougars, talk about what's, what's happening out there. But Washington State obviously coming off of a, a big upset over Wisconsin on the road. As far as what stood out about that, Norvell said, you know, it's just the physicality. You can't go into Wisconsin and, and beat them if, if you're not physical. They stopped the run. They played complimentary football. They took advantage of their opportunities. It wasn't, you know, a day where the offense was was lighting it up. But if you protect the football and you take advantage of a couple of, of you know, timely opportunities, you know, you can win a, a tight game. And that's what Washington State was able to do. Really impressive, particularly after, you know, you know, struggling a little bit against Idaho. The defense looked pretty solid against Idaho, I will say. I got after the quarterback quite a bit. That's something that Definitely stands out to me. Uh, they don't pressure as much as Middle Tennessee did. You know, it was really kind of a perfect storm in that game with the offensive line woes, a young and experienced quarterback, and then a defense that blitzes about 80% of the time. Norvell told me typically that's not the case with Washington State. They do run a 4-2-5 as well. Their defensive coordinator, Brian Ward, actually was the defensive coordinator at Nevada under Norvell last year. And one of Washington State's best players, linebacker Dayon Henley, who would have been awesome if the Rams would have been able to pick him up. He's a stud. Also, you know, you know, played at Nevada, obviously. So there's some familiarity there. You know, both the players and Norvell talked about that, hopefully, you know, being an advantage. The fact that Washington State, you know, runs an air raid very similar to what CSU runs, even more so than what Middle Tennessee brought to the table. And then defensively, it's, you know, essentially a mirror the cougars forced a lot of turnovers last year they were able to get after the quarterback so that's going to be something to definitely keep an eye on with you know how csu has struggled in, in both of those areas through the first two weeks i'm really intrigued by cam ward though their quarterback he's got a great arm athletic understands the system fcs transfer um he can hurt you with with his feet if you don't fill the rush lanes correctly so containing him will be crucial but they got to bring pressure. They got to get after the quarterback more because we saw in that third quarter how impactful it is. I mean, you know, that interception, you know, CJ and Mo, Mo hit him. It ends up getting tipped by uh, Chiggy. 
and, and Jack Howell is able to make a phenomenal play on the ball, but it starts with that pressure up front. You know, Cam Ward is an experienced quarterback. If he's got time, he's going to pick you apart back there. But if you can, you know, force him to make some errant throws, there are playmakers in the secondary that can take advantage of it and make you pay. But we just haven't seen it be consistent yet. Kind of like the offense, we haven't seen it be consistent yet. We've seen the moments where it flashes. You know, Torrey Horton has four touchdowns. That's third in the, the NCAA right now. He's killing it. I think he's tied for seventh in, in receiving yards. But it, it hasn't been consistent. And and it's awesome that, you know, Torrey's been able to produce like this. And honestly, could have even produced more. Norvell talked about how he's really essentially running open every single play. But they, they've got to figure it out, you know, from a consistency standpoint. And they've got to get some of these other playmakers involved. And that's going to be another point of emphasis for the Rams this week. Norvell talked about, you know, wanting to get, you know, Melquan and Arkin and, and Ty and Dante Wright and some of these other guys in, in the mix as well, because it's great that Torrey's killing it. But, you know, the goal here is, you know, to have like five plus receivers, you know, record, record a catch, multiple catches. And we just haven't really had that happen yet. I think some of it is, you know, they're not sustaining a ton of drives, so they're not rotating. I also think they've tried to simplify the playbook. You know, Norvell talked about that post game, and that makes sense given the state of the offensive line. But, you know, I, like many people, definitely thought Dante would play more of these first couple of games. I thought we'd see, you know, more guys in the mix. I think it'll still happen at some point this season, assuming that they can, you know, figure out some of the, the stuff with the offensive line here and Clay can continue to get rid of the ball. But, We'll see. We'll just have to see. It is a goal, though. It's what Norvell said today. But I understand why there have been some Ram fans scratching their heads. Um, you know, I, I've talked about the fact that he essentially plays the same role as Melquan, and the staff loves Melquan. He's been in the system now, you know, way longer, clearly. But I definitely would love to see Dante get involved. I'd love to see Ty get some more catches, you know, Tanner, everyone. Again, I, I think Torrey Horton's a stud. I think he's an NFL receiver. I think he can be one of the best receivers in the conference, all of those things. But this offense isn't really going to click to its full potential until they can get, you know, everybody. 2021 Nevada was so lethal, not just because they had Romeo Dubs, but because they also had Torrey Horton, because they also had, you know, Cole Turner, Elijah Cooks, and, and some of these other guys. They also had Toa Tawa in the backfield. But also, you know, the thing to consider is that that Nevada offense, it, it took a couple of years to become that. So again, you know, going back to my main point, which will be the, the big theme this year is just keep perspective and, and keep patient. Doesn't mean you can't be frustrated or upset when things go wrong. It's just we got to recognize that this doesn't ever happen as fast as we want it to. But, you know, again, they're, they're trying to do the same, the right things. The coaches are talking about accountability. You know, they're trying to make changes. But it's a skilled offense that they're trying to implement. And it takes time. You know, when it comes to completely flipping a scheme like this, there are going to be moments where you see the potential. And then there are going to be moments where they just can't seem to execute. And that's just going to be because, you know, little things here and there. You're, they're just not firing on all cylinders yet. Anyways, that's all I've got. I'm going to get some sleep, try to sleep off this Broncos performance. We'll continue to preview this matchup over the coming days. Exciting time, man. It's still fun to, to have college football be back. I think when you, you think about the potential of this unit and some of these guys, it's all still very exciting. But they've got to establish that consistency, and hopefully it happens sooner than later. But Rome wasn't built in a day. 
That's all I've got. Much love, y'all. Thank you for listening to the DMVR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. As always, I'm Justin Michael. Much love. Peace. Machetes at a deli in New Delhi Feeling scummy like Martin Scarelli Turn jam into jelly then drink it like juice But water's the truth so I sip on that too Skinny looking kid with no car keys Like the only thing I drive is RCR He's got the stash like Steve Harvey Oh I'm gnarly like non-fermented Ah, mmm The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on That's nice At Caskers.com we make this experience easy Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.